All right, if you guys can grab a seat, I want you all to do a couple things for me just right off the get-go. If you do have a, a card and a pen, go ahead and get that out. Or if, uh, if you want to use your phone either as a Bible or as a way to write down notes, I want to encourage you to do that just as long as you're going to be on the honor system tonight and you're not going to be out there on social media or texting your buddies. Uh, I want you guys to get the most out of tonight. My name is Jason, and I'm our junior high pastor here, and I'm excited to be with you. It's been a while since I've been here on stage. Uh, I got a, a, a a good battle with pneumonia a few weeks ago, um, and so I'm on the men. So uh, I'm glad to be back with you. So we're going to pick up in our third week in our study of Colossians, and I do want to encourage you to do something. If you don't uh, already have the Second Students North app, okay? Have you guys ever heard of an app before? Okay. Some of you have heard of an app. This is a really cool thing that if you have a smartphone, you can go on the iTunes Store or Google Play, and you can download an app. Okay, like Pokemon Go. You guys ever heard of Pokemon? Okay, some of you all have that. Two of you. You guys have like Twitter app or Instagram. Okay, some of you guys know what apps are, which is really good. Welcome to the whatever century we're in now. You can, do, you can go download the Second Students North app. And I want to encourage you to do this. Uh, you can go back and re-listen to the past two messages. And Spencer kicked off this series two weeks ago. John picked it up last week. And we're going to do our third week tonight. Um, when I was in college, I had an opportunity to work for Walmart. How many of y'all have heard of Walmart before? Okay, again, popular, popular company. So I worked for Walmart, and one of the best sections to go work in is the pet section. The pet section is one of the best areas to work in. Um, not only because it's really simple, but there's a couple reasons. You can set out rat traps, and rats will just get snagged in it, so you get these big old rats, because they're always going for the food. But another reason is, is because you could pair betta fish with another betta fish, like in the cups next to each other, and they would just like ram into the cups. You guys ever, you guys know what a betta fish is? I think I got a picture of a betta fish. Okay, so these fish are so aggressive that they literally will see each other like territorial and just be like, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. And they'll literally like kill themselves. Now, it sounds a little demented, I understand, that we had fun doing that, um, but I was in college, I was stupid. Okay, so, um, you know, something else that's really funny is cats and dogs. Have you guys, you guys have like a combination of a cat or a dog? So in my house growing up, I had two cats, one was Cassie, because I had a crush on a girl named Cassie when I got her in third grade. And then another cat named Margaret. And Margaret was like an old, old cat. Okay, Margaret was the kind of cat that would like lick you, had like a sandpaper tongue. You're like, Aah! okay. Uh, and then I had a dog named Sunshine, okay. Sunshine was a, oh, bless your heart, kind of a dog. And by that, I mean that dog was ugly as sin, okay. Uh, we went and picked Sunshine up at the pound, one day, um, sunshine, um, mutt isn't a good enough word to define what kind of dog she was, but she was sweet, okay? Um, so sunshine and Cassie and Margaret, we had a little posse of pets and occasionally it looked like this, okay? Uh, they wouldn't quite get along all the time. Now, relevantly, culturally, time-sensitive topic, I got two people that don't get along too well. Donald and Hillary. Some of you are like, what? Now, I'm not going to get political with you here. I'm not going to get political. I did vote. Check. 
But what's interesting is this, and I think it's so relevant for you guys to understand this. Neither of these two people are going to save our country. Neither of these two people, listen, neither of these two people nor any president in the future will ever stand up or stand against the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You need to know that now. Because Paul was even dealing with the same kind of issue even back with the church of Colossae. You see, what took place here, you know, Paul was on his third missionary journey. He ended up getting, uh, he had a boot on, he had a strap, he had to stay put. He was in prison, in home prison, okay? He couldn't, he couldn't leave. And so he had a buddy who ended up coming over, saying hi to him, and he wrote a letter to his buddy who ended up taking to the church of Colossae. And he was trying to help encourage this church as to what was going on. Nero, y'all say Nero. Nero. He was leading the Roman Empire, and at this time, Nero didn't like Christians. Nero was not a fan of Christianity, the Christian movement, but why not? Why not? Why wasn't Nero a big fan? Well, Nero wasn't a fan of Jesus because Jesus claimed to be divine, superior, supreme, and that Nero, the emperor, was not. So he didn't like the fact that somebody else was claiming authority. So Nero had a big, big problem. If you guys have your Bibles, open up to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 15. Now, as you flip open to that, I want you to know something. Um, there was heresy at this time that threatened the church. There were people who were claiming something other than Jesus and who he was and what he did. They were saying there were other ways to achieve salvation. There were other ways to see God. There were other ways to understand who God is. But Paul debunked some of these myths, and he wrote this letter, the Colossian letter, to give us, the church, even now today, practical instructions and application for living as a Christian in a culture and a society that does not celebrate Jesus or his authority. If you want to know God, how many of y'all would say, I'm interested, I'm intrigued, I wanna know more about God? Who, who would say that tonight? You say, I wanna know who God is. I wanna know more about his character. I don't fully understand God. Does anybody ever fully understand God? I don't think all of us do. If you want to understand who God is, look no further than the person of Jesus Christ. And Paul poetically puts this together in a beautiful way to help us see who God is through the person of Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, beginning in verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. I want you to write down the words on your card tonight. Supreme over all creation. He is supreme over all creation. 
For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Now pause here for a second. For through him, God created what? God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities. Listen, he established, he established kingdoms. He established rulers. Are those perfect people? No, but yet God can still use those things in this world, that, those things that are which are evil, God can still use for his purpose and for his will, keep in mind. So he made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. That's a key scripture tonight. Write this down. Everything was created through him and for him. Do y'all get that? Everything was created through him and for him. We see all throughout scripture that in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God. Jesus, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. He, he was and is and is to come. What does that mean? He existed before time existed. He had a place. And God came down to earth. He came in the heavenly form of Jesus, or in the, the human form of Jesus. And he's coming back again for his bride, his church, his people. Verse 17, he existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. You guys ever sung, sung the song, he's got the whole world in his hands? He's got the whole world in his hands? The itty bitty babies in his hands? Listen, he holds everything together everything together. He's the glue. He keeps everything going. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. Now, let me ask you something. If your head wants to go that way, which way is your body going to go? That way. Pretty simple, isn't it? What happens if you detach your head from your body? Oh, okay. Now, this is important. Because Christ established himself as the head of the church. He's the one who guides and directs. He's the one who leads. Very important. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. If you're taking notes, a point I want you to write down is this. Because Christ is supreme in reality, because Christ is supreme in reality, he must be supreme experientially in our lives. We have to go just from acknowledging the fact that God is supreme, that, that Jesus is supreme, that he is the eternal son of God. He is the eternal son of God. And what makes him a son is that he is a father, an eternal father. 
Jesus is supreme. He rules over all. All things were created through him, by him, and for him with great purpose. We can acknowledge that. We can have extreme knowledge of that. But it comes down to experiencing the lordship of Jesus, recognizing his rightful place on the throne in heaven can be the same place in your life and in my life that he is the Lord and supreme of our hearts. We have to take the knowledge of Christ's supremacy, translate it to surrendering and allowing him to sit on the throne of our lives. We need to experience that. Well, how do we experience that? Okay? How do we experience that? Verse 21. This includes you, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. I want you to write this word down. If you are in Christ, I want you to say, I am blameless. Write that down. I am blameless. Verse 23. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. What do we see from this? Paul summarizing it in this way. He says, rejoice. Rejoice because once you were an enemy of God and now I have claimed you as my own through the shedding of blood for sin. So rejoice in Christ, you are holy. You are blameless and above reproach. Anchor yourself in this truth. This is how you begin experiencing who Jesus is. When we understand and have the knowledge of who Jesus is, his power, his strength, his supremacy, it places us in a category where we understand that we are ultimately not in control and that God is. That's why when we can look at this presidential debate, we don't have to worry as Christians. We don't have to go, oh, what's gonna happen in this world? God is in control. And if God is in control of your life, you will ultimately surrender to his authority. You will, uh, you will surrender to his supremacy because you delight and understand that through him all things were created and all things were created for him. And even though he's established this world that we see, and even though there's evil that exists, God still controls it and God can use the mistakes and the sin of man for his glory and for his purposes. Now, what did he just say? He said that once we were enemies of God, separated from him, but yet God still chose to redeem us. And he gave his son for us to die in our place. Did you notice there's a, 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 a phrase that, that Paul used? 
He said, do not drift away. Do not depart. Do not go away. For those of you who have placed your faith in Jesus, he says, don't drift away. You know what he's referring to? Is this area of the world, modern day Turkey now, okay? This area is prone to earthquakes. And over time, what would happen is earthquakes would cause shifting and houses would move. And he's referring to this as saying, listen, you will have things in your life that will cause disruption, that will cause fear. But he's saying, do not drift away from, from me. Anchor yourself, plant yourself on the firm foundation of Jesus so that even when these trials of life come, even when people speak falsely of who Jesus might be, when people look at you and laugh at you for being a Christ follower, or when people simply say, yeah, I really don't believe all that Jesus stuff. That's not true. That's not real. Just 20 minutes ago, I'm sitting in the back of the room and my wife begins telling me a story today of how my six-year-old son was telling a 10-year-old girl about Jesus at Gold's, Gold's Gym in the, in the playground area. And the 10-year-old girl looked at my son and said, that's all make-believe, that's not real. How do you respond in a certain situation where people deny what you believe? They deny not only what you believe, but more importantly, they deny who God is, his authority, his power. They deny his love. They, de they deny the gift of reconciliation. Paul says, listen, despite anything that takes place around you, you can firmly plant yourself in the truth and do not waver, but recognize Christ in his fullness. He's Savior, but he's also Lord of your life. He's also Lord of your life. I'm gonna invite you right now to bow your head and close your eyes, if you will. Simple truth tonight is that Christ is on his throne in heaven. And he's holy and he's perfect. And he looks at us at his creation and he longs for every single one of us. And that's why he sent Jesus. He recognized that we are sinners in need of a savior. For the believers in the room tonight, if you're truly saved and your life is built on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ, my question to you is then will you continue to live in faith? We're not saved, students, by what we do. We're not saved by our actions, our words, our attempts to reach God. But because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, his death on the cross for our sins, his resurrection, overcoming death and sin, that's what brings us salvation. And when we receive that, and when we live in that faith, our faith is proved. For others, listen, be reminded to understand that the sin in your life, it traps you, it's a snare. It enslaves you. It keeps you chained up. There is no freedom in sin, but there is freedom in Christ. That's why he came. Through Jesus, students, listen, we're free from addictions. Through Jesus, students, you are free from broken relationships. You're free from being stuck in all your sins, in all your mistakes. You're free in Christ. Don't stay in the patterns. Don't continue to go back. 
Don't be misled. Live in the freedom that Jesus offers you. Understand that he defines who you are, not your sin, not this world. The scripture told us very clearly tonight that he was before all things. He created all things. He sustains all things. In creation, listen students, in creation, God shows us his hand. But in redemption, God gives us his heart. We can acknowledge that he exists, he rules, and he's awesome. But we can surrender and receive life when we understand that he died for us to give us life. So tonight, if if you're hearing this message for the first time and understanding that in your sin you're an enemy of God, but yet God in his fullness loved you so much he gave his son to die in your place. And that through Jesus, you can have a relationship with this God, the God of the universe. You begin walking with him, worshiping him, and, and ultimately doing all things for his glory and his good because you recognize his supremacy. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus, an opportunity to say, Jesus, forgive me. Give you that opportunity to say, Jesus, make me new. Give you that opportunity to turn away from your old life and begin walking with Jesus in a new life tonight.